Hello, hello. Oh, I thought that was going to be better. <clears throat> hello, hello. Hi, welcome to a, another week. God, it's uh, June 24th. How's June almost over, for God's sake? Anyway, it's June 24th. It's a Monday. I feel a little more buoyant than I usually do on a Monday. I'm not sure why. Could have had something to do with the glorious weekend we had. Jeez. That was something. That's what we've been missing. Just perfect temperatures and sun, 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 sun. Nice. Um, there's so much to talk about that I, my problem always is in uh, curating curating all the material I have here. I, I, I say that at, like I do because I hate that word and what it's become. Anyway, yeah, I really have trouble stacking the stuff. I think in the old newsroom we used to talk about stacking stories. What goes first? What goes? How do you put together something that has a, a flow to it? I don't know, beats me, so I'm just going to start talking and see where we end up. That's sort of worked for me all my all my life. Let's see. Oh, apropos of absolutely nothing, but because I got a new washing machine. And uh, I was about to put detergent in this thing in the front, which is where I used to put the detergent for my old washing machine, when I noticed that the thing I was about to put the detergent in said fabric softener. So I, I backed away. But it begged a question that I guess has been in my head for as long as I've been doing laundry. What the hell is fabric softener? I mean, I have to tell you, I've never used it. My clothes seem soft enough. <laughs> I don't get it. What is that for? Just another thing to buy that you don't need to? It must be something that a lot of people use if it's literally front and center on my new, albeit retro, washing machine. I went and specifically asked for one without a panel that looked like a B-52. I did not want, I said, just give me something that I can crank this. I don't want to be pushing a panel. I can't stand it anymore. And I don't want something that doesn't have an agitator, because that was the last one. They keep like improving these things to the point where they're awful. They're just awful. Anyway, What the hell is fabric softener? I, I, it's a question that came to me. I have asked two other people since I've had this, and nobody, nobody has had a clue. And for those of you who maybe use it, it might be for the first time you're asking yourself, why the hell do I use fabric softener? It's not like our clothes are made out of burlap and have to be softened. Is is the term softener leading me astray? What the hell does it do? I'm just an old soap and water person. I don't, I mean, I, I don't get it. So, just saying, and throwing it out there, because that was one of those niggling little things that I finally thought, you know, I'm going to ask somebody. Uh, oh. So I got my Harriet Tubman stamp, you know, the stamp where you stick her face over Andrew Jackson's on a 20. I was very busy. I was very busy this weekend doing every 20 that came my, every 20 that came my way. Some of it, um, the problem is, is you can't quite line it up. So like I did this one, I don't know, can they see that? And I got it half off of his face, so it looks odd. This is a pretty good, wait, wait, let me find a good one. 
Um, so I did all my 20s now have Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman on them. And that's a pretty good one. Instead of Trump, okay? But I, I must say, I'm not... Look, this one, my son did this. Totally almost missed it. I mean, had it so far down. But you know what? It's legal tender. Now, here's proof that it's legal tender. And this was weird. I'm pulling my 20s out of my purse. I had just been to the ATM, so they came out of an ATM machine. And two of my 20s had already been messed with in ink, in black ink. And they said, get this, somebody had written on them, Trump. Trump! Now, would that have had to be a reaction to... I, two of my 20s had the word Trump across his face. So... Now, I have two 20s that have Trump and, and Harriet Tubman and Andrew Jackson. The good news is, is you can't see Andrew Jackson anymore at all. This is my Trump Tubman 20. And the more people do this, the more this stuff's going to be in circulation. I am... going to continue and uh, if you want go to etsy.com you can probably find them and if you can't find them there just um, uh, you know google it at this point it's everywhere uh, the other place you could get it is tubmanstamp.com okay it comes with an ink pad And this, of course, in reaction to the Trump administration uh, uh, putting a hold on the rollout of the Harriet Tubman 20. So we're just uh, pushing it along by every 20 that comes your way. Let me know if you ever get one. Um, some of these don't look too good. They look like Tubman has a, a beard. Oh, well, defacing Andrew Jackson's face is, is fun anyway. So I just, I did want to tell you that the Tubman stamp has arrived. I'm understandably avoiding serious subjects for a while. Uh... Last Friday, I was talking about comfort food and about how most of the Democratic uh, presidential contenders totally screwed up the question of what's your favorite comfort food, you know, saying things like, what was it, Booker said veggies. I mean, I can't get that out of my head. Uh, none of them had a good one. None of them had a good one. I don't think Sanders responded, did he? Um so Roger uh, wrote this. I just listened to Friday's show this morning. How do you screw up a question about your favorite comfort food? No wonder middle America thinks liberals are a different species. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, and I won't get into the whole thing because I don't want to bring that whole subject up again, but he says he has a Mini Cooper and he has a fish, you know, one of those fish you see on the back of cars which I never understood, but that's a Christian symbol, right? Fish, like loaves. Why don't they have a loaf of bread? It's fish, right? So there's a fish. Uh, he, so he has a fish on the back of his Mini Cooper, but his fish is not the usual fish because he says inside his fish, it says, and chips. And he's explained it further, British car, British cuisine. But he knows he's offending Christians. Uh, he's responding in part to the Supreme Court saying that the cross is uh, now uh, essentially not a Christian symbol, 
which some of, I guess the majority went along with. It's it's just for all of us because that's the way they see it. Uh, never mind that the cross is the Christian symbol. All right. Uh, Oh, have I run out of easy stuff? I think I maybe have. Uh, although, no, one other just interesting thing. There was a a piece in uh, the Times this Sunday about A town in West Virginia, I never heard of this. I'm sure some of you have because some of you are so dang smart. And the town is home to no more than, I think, uh, 800 people, if that. (coughs) It's called (coughs) Green Bank. Green Bank, West Virginia. Uh, And it is uh, unique, truly in that it is the only town or city in the country, for that matter, I don't know, maybe the world, that has such a strict ban on technology. And it's not like it's Amish, okay? Yeah, it's not. That residents don't have cell phones, they don't have, there's no Wi-Fi, <laughs> microwave ovens, uh-uh. And any other device that generates uh, electromagnetic signals. And this, there is a reason for it. Because Green Bank is the location of an observatory that has the most sensitive radio telescopes. So these are not like eyes, eye telescopes. These are ear telescopes. And the telescopes there are listening to the sounds of the universe. And they can tune into frequencies from the the very highest on the spectrum, as far as we know, to the very lowest on the spectrum, as far as we know. And they can hear the death throes of an exploding star, for instance. But they are incredibly vulnerable to any, the smallest interference where they sit. And they sit in this loud world that we inhabit. So physicists from all over the world travel to this tiny town and in West Virginia to measure gravitational waves. Astronomers come. Uh, uh, also lunatics come. Uh, alien hunters are, you probably make up a third of the population. Um, and also people who think they're electrosensitive, who can't bear any kind of... Who was that character in Better Call Saul? The brother. This was a this from Breaking Bad. It was a um, it was an offshoot of the extraordinary yeah television series Breaking Bad, and there was a uh, horrible guy, a lawyer who was electro thought he was. It's a mental illness actually. And and there are people like them, so they, um, people like that, who I didn't know really existed, uh, go there. But uh, this place is not going to last. 
it, it can't uh there's no way it is going to survive uh the rollout of 5G networks ownership of the uh tele- telecommunications grids will uh, go to corporate giants not to communities a community will not be able to do what this community has done so it's assuming that the, and and it's lost a lot of its funding forgot who was giving it funding but they've pulled it um so oh i misspoke it says here 150 people live in green bank <laughs> stop and think they live truly off the grid and i'm willing to bet that many of them are uh, perfectly okay uh, with it. And the reporter who went there to report the story saw that people were different there. They behaved differently because she said it's so obvious that you're standing in the one store where people go to buy food and this and that and the other thing. And you're standing, she was standing in line to check out. It's amazing there'd be a line to check out in a town of 150 people. But she said... Because nobody's looking at their cell phones ever, they are standing straight. You see, you can even tell they look different. They're standing straight up with their heads up. And, and you're, when you do that, your eyes meet. And so one of the things that she noted that was so different about being in this little town was that people looked at each other and then engaged, talked. She says, with nothing else to do but meet one another's eyes, people talk. The telescope is this huge thing. It is taller than the Statue of Liberty. Um and is uh holds claim of being uh one of not sure the of the largest manufactured steerable movable objects in the world so it's there it can talk about it can find a- asteroids uh that are nearby uh the scientific observations it picks up on depend on signals that are as weak as, get this, this is how, t- how incredibly sensitive. So somewhere way out where we can't even imagine, way past our, way past our solar system, it can pick up a signal as weak as a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a watt. So, the scientists know that this is ending. They're not going to be able to to do this anymore because the world has now, because of technology, become impossibly noisy and you know you can go into the wilderness and still get a signal you know on your cell phone so scientists are preparing for what uh, they're calling the end of quiet astronomers have been dealing with this for a long time because it's hard for them to see through all the light that we put out right uh, anyone who likes to look at the stars know that you got to get up and you can't go on your front lawn anymore unless you live in the middle of nowhere. So astronomers did get something called international dark sky places <laughs> where, in fact, uh, the the world agreed that there would be some dark protected areas where you can still see 
the sky, the stars. Uh, one is in central Idaho. It is the central Idaho, uh, it was the first U U.S. International Dark Sky Reserve. And that, that was proclaimed in 2017. And people come from all over the place to stand in that protected territory. But there are no similar protections for for a radio telescope like the one in Green Lake. None. Uh, and if no one does something real fast, all of the last quiet places where you cannot get cell phone reception where they'll be gone within 10 years, people are thinking. So if you want to go to a place like this that isn't going to exist, I'm telling you, Green Lake, West Virginia, how far can it be? It lost its funding pretty much from the National Science Foundation in 2012. Well, slashed most of its funding. And now the only thing that's keeping it going is uh, donations from private foundations and universities who are, you know, funded, funding research there. So isn't that, did you know of that? It's amazing to me. <sighs> Quiet. Kristen, about fabric softener. God bless you, you're the only person. It's usually mostly to keep your clothes from wrinkling. Oh, really? Well, then why don't they call it fit? Well, to keep them from sticking together in the dryer. And it gives a nice, fresh smell to your clothes. But don't you put in a dryer sheet to do a nice, fresh smell or not? Um, see these things they create that we don't need and then we buy? That being said, she said, the formulation has changed so much that I use it very sparingly. I never use it on dark loads because it tends to leave a film on them. Even using a second rinse cycle, thereby wasting water. I also don't really use it on towels for the same reason. I use it mostly on bed sheets. Well, I can see that, where you'd want them as soft as possible because, and not wrinkled. Unless, like my sister, you iron your sheets. Um... And Kristen says, in regards to comfort food, have none of these candidates ever heard of a casserole? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Whatever. Okay, well, so that explains it. Well, maybe I'll get just a little teeny bottle of it and try it on my sheets. But they're already soft, but they are really wrinkly. See if it unwrinkles them a little. But then, you know, the dryers have this thing called wrinkle release, which doesn't work either. I don't understand any of it. It's all <laughs> bells and whistles designed to part us from our Harriet Tubman's. Oh, they're over here. Our Harriet Tubman trumps our Harriet Tubman's. Okay, I said the word Trump. Let me just get a few things off my chest. So, you know, you live with an affliction long enough and you you understand it more and, and more. And obviously now, not just me, but the Iranians, the Mexicans, the North Koreans, the Chinese, the English, and the whole world now sees how this guy operates. And how he operates clearly is mostly just shoot from the lip or his plump thumbs. And his default is always a threat because he's a bully. So he starts always with a big threat to Mexico, 
I am instituting tariffs that will destroy you if you don't do this, that, and the other thing. And I'm starting on Sunday at 10 p.m. Very specific threat. I'm going to count to 10. And then the other one that was, the other two that were recent are he was telling uh, people here whose uh, legal standing might be questionable that starting again Sunday, it's always on a Sunday he's going to start this stuff. He was telling ICE to round these people by the millions up and deport them. And the other one was to Iran. <laughs> Wait and see. You don't shoot one of our drones down and not have a consequence. So, all three of these very specific threats, and all three at the last minute, backed away from. So, this is his. Uh, art of the deal. It's to attempt to intimidate, to bully, uh, with the fear of, what did he say? I just heard something. The worst. He's still talking about Iran. You'll never see such, you know, destruction. Um, Any parent knows that even a young child quickly picks up on idle threats. And so the strategy that he employs uses less and less and less of its efficacy. Also, calling it a strategy might be a little bit of a stretch. Because it is just his id always, his id and his ego, just out of control, always acting. And this is the way he has always, you threaten to get what you want. We are in deep trouble. So, I don't know. Also, the accusation by, I don't know if you've read her account, the accusation of the, the, the woman uh, who has now said that Trump raped her in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. And the specificity of her account reads so true. I mean, you don't put in that specificity if every second of it is not ingrained in your head. She was 52 years old. She was 52 years old. He would have been about 49. And what's amazing is nothing. So this president is accused of rape, crickets. This president takes us to the brink of war. And then pulls back, crickets. This president threatens our largest trading partners and allies, crickets. This children terrorizes immigrants, crickets. This president imprisons Children as young as one, separated from their families, 
put in the care of another child, terrified child, who's been separated from their parents, and <clears throat> they are not even given a bed to sleep in, a mattress. They're not even given a blanket to put under them. They're given a concrete floor. And they're dying. What is wrong with us? Crickets to that are an indicator of something really wrong with us. These are documented. NBC reported. Uh, this this reports from last month. At least seven children are known to have died in immigration custody since last year after almost a decade in which no child died in the custody of U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Oh, I'm sorry, of course, they're protecting this, this line, not these children's lives. And I read another report that, um, what is it, four or five children in the last week have been taken to emergency rooms from these facilities. One who was non-responsive. The Associated Press sent a reporter and got more clear pictures that there is inadequate food, water, sanitation for the 250 infants, children, and teenagers at a specific Texas border patrol, I mean, uh, station. A two-year-old, here's an eyewitness account, a two-year-old boy locked in detention wants to be held all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. A few girls, age 10 to 15, say they've been doing their best to feed and soothe him. They were given this assignment by a guard who handed the kid to them. A 14-year-old girl from Guatemala said she had been holding two little girls, but I need comfort too, she said. I am bigger than they are, but I am a child. I don't know if you saw the video of the government attorney, a woman, arguing in front of a three-judge panel the Ninth Circuit, that all the government had to do by law was provide safe and sanitary conditions and that the government was doing that. And she actually went to the mat about toothbrushes and soap not being a necessary part of safe and sanitary conditions. She went to the mat in front of three incredulous judges, if you haven't seen it. About kids sleeping on concrete floors. And the only blanket, talk about comfort, the only non-comforting blanket they're giving is one of those aluminum things, whatever they are, those things they give to a, a marathon runner after they cross the finish line. This is our country. These are your tax dollars at work. This is an indication of the absolute moral decline of our country. 
Charles Blow writing today said, you know, the question that's always troubled me from the time I was a child old enough to know about the Holocaust. The thing I couldn't understand is how could how could people stand around and let this happen? And Charles Blow said he always wondered that too. And you can you can see how now, can't you? Because we're part of it. We're doing it. Why aren't there hundreds of thousands of us surrounding these camps? Why are, where are we? He says, well, you know, people grow weary of dealing with their anger and helplessness and they just push all this stuff to the back of their heads and and try to take care of themselves and their families. They go on with their lives. That's right. What did I do? Did I go down and try to do something? No, I took a week off. Pampered myself. There is no good answer that saves us, every single one of us, from the question, why are we not in the streets every day? Just on this specific issue, don't get, don't, getting those children out of there. Every one of us would take one of them into our homes. I think. But we're not doing it. And as I mentioned, I think a week or so ago, this is how the Holocaust started. I'm not, and by saying that, I'm not saying that that's where we are heading. But this is how it started. Rounding up of children. Exclusions of people. Demonization of desperate people. Stripping people of their humanity, separating family members, and all those German people, nice people just like us, they might have, some of them, I'm sure, might have said, my God, it's just horrible. Did you see they were on our street last night? They took, and they did nothing, just like us. You see I, why I wanted to talk about fabrics oftener. I saw something this weekend. Somebody pointed something out, and it's true. You know, the child, Anne Frank, she didn't die in a gas chamber. She didn't die from a bullet. She died from being stuck in a hellhole detention camp, concentration camp, with no bed, 
no sanitary conditions, no, not enough food, where disease spread like wildfire. She died of typhus. And these children are dying of all kinds of bacterial and viral infections. A country that knowingly allows infants and children to be ripped from their parents' arms and then stuck in hell holes. A country that allows that, that knows it, and does nothing. Or let me stop and get away from the country. A people who... are guilty of something horrible. Now, my excuse is I'm always waiting around for somebody to organize them. I don't know. Okay, I'm going back to something lighter. How the hell can a person fall asleep? First of all, I can't sleep on an airplane. It's happened maybe once or twice, and I must have been so dead tired in both instances that I was shocked when I realized I'd fallen asleep. I mean, I just must have gone out cold. Anyway, if I try to sleep on a plane, ain't happening. I'm always amazed that people can but to fall asleep on a plane, to stay asleep as the plane lands, to continue sleeping as the plane is emptied out, and then to wake up in a deserted dark plane locked up and stuck far away from anything, how, how do you do that? It happened to a woman in Canada the other day. She was on a 90-minute flight or even a 60-minute flight. It was like a real short flight. She falls asleep. And, I mean, it obviously begs the question, too, wait a minute, so don't the flight attendants, like, <laughs> make sure everybody's off the plane? Didn't somebody deplaning see her and say, ah, am, we're here. I... She was terrified. She didn't know what to do. She said it was pitch dark. She tried to get the door open. She finally did get the door open, but there was like a 15, 20-foot drop. She couldn't figure, and she was way somewhere, the plane was way, she could see maybe the buildings of the airport. She found a flashlight, and she started like flashing things. She, who knows? How do you sleep? That's not, how, how do you not wake? Boy, was that a soft landing. I mean, you know, like, I mean, can you imagine? Jeez, I just got to say, blew me away. Blew me away. <sighs> Milton says, in a representative democracy, we are all responsible for what our government does. We are now Germany, 1939. Starting to look a lot like it. You got armed militias threatening a state capital in Oregon. Have you seen that? I think it's Oregon, right?
I mean, we got so much crap happening. We got a president. Uh, well, I, I mean, well, I don't have to go down the list. Yeah. Uh, I hope, Milton says, that when the next 9-11 happens, and it will, we who sit idly by now will remember that we earned it. Whoa. Whatever tragedy befalls this once great nation in the future will have been dutifully earned. It's hard. Harsh. True. It's true. Yeah, you got the Republicans in Oregon uh, actually running to Idaho, running from the state police. (laughs) You can't make it up. The Republicans ran to dodge a vote uh, on climate change. They were denying the uh, democratically controlled uh, legislature there a quorum. So 11 Republican senators ran over the border to Idaho. And and then um, a, what's called a militia, excuse me, there were serious threats to um, the safety of the Democrats uh, in the uh, legislature. (laughs) The governor of uh, Oregon uh, directed state troopers to find these AWOL Republicans and return them to the state house, but they can't go over state lines. Uh, and so militia groups have now threatened action. These are the same guys that, you know, occupied that federal uh, wildlife preserve uh, years ago. Uh, Eamon Bundy, that crowd. So now they are actually with, with guns and rifles outside the Oregon legislature. Now, again, I ask you, a bunch of white people threatening elected officials openly. That's called a militia. (laughs) What What would it be if they were black? (laughs) Would that be a militia? I'm just asking. I want to point out, by the way, that this tactic was tried not that long ago in Wisconsin when Scott Walker was the governor. And it was there that Democrats took off, ran into Illinois. But they were there to try to save, uh, I, I, I don't know what horrors the Republicans were up to, but either way, I mean, this is, we have, our, our country's just in a mess. It is in an extraordinary mess. And, uh, oh, I saw this funny. Again, let's just get away from this for a while. Because, yes, life goes on. I saw a tweet from someone who works here, Amanda, who said she uh, took a, got on the bus the other day and went home from here, I guess. And when she got off the bus, she realized, wait a minute. 
I drove my car down. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I came close to doing that once. I came real close. I was standing there at the bus stop waiting and all of a sudden thought, I, wait a minute, wait a minute, my car is right around the court, wait. And what was amazing is how many people responded to what she said by saying, I've done that too. <laughs> I did, uh, on the bus the other day, do something I always feared doing. It's akin to when you see someone sleeping on the bus, you think, how do they know to wake up in time for their stop? I guess they usually do. I don't know. But, I, um, as I said, I don't sleep on planes. I don't sleep on buses either. But I was enthralled in something I was reading and at one point I looked up and I didn't recognize the scenery you know you get if you take a bus the same bus every day you know you know what the scenery is and I was going by something I thought what the hell is it and um, yeah I missed my stop and I was shocked at how long it took to get to the next stop. I thought, geez. I, um, normally I get off at East Liberty. And uh, the next stop was uh, Homewood. So I got off there and sheepishly walked across and <laughs> waited. <laughs> waited for the... Uh, the bus to take me back but it was interesting so i saw a part of the busway that i hadn't i hadn't seen before uh uh jane more on fabric softener i love this lynn my understanding excuse me excuse me yeah oh that says something the host of this show i watch actually yawns during her own show Um, how many of you have yawned, by the way? I feel another one coming on. Oh, my God. Uh, Jane writes, My understanding is that in addition to separating us from our Tubmans, <laughs> fabric softener serves to soften and to reduce static electricity that accumulates in the dryer. Okay. But isn't that what those dryer sheets do? I don't know. Somewhere along the line, I learned that white vinegar can do the same, with the advantage of separating me from only my Washingtons. I just throw in about a half a cup per load, and I've never noticed any vinegar odor. Huh. Huh. There you go. You know, vinegar, white vinegar, it turns out you could throw out most of the house cleaning products you waste money on and just get a big jug of vinegar. You know that. Um, okay, that's good. Good to know. Uh, okay, the Supreme Court has come out with a the Supreme Court says a law banning registration of scandalous trademarks violates the First Amendment. Well, that sounds correct. They did the right thing. Which one is this? Is this the one with the fuck thing? Uh, oh, right, it is. Okay, so the justice's ruling clears the way for a clothing designer to apply for a federal trademark for his clothing line called F-U-C-T, fucked. It's a 6-3 ruling, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
and could open the doors to more requests to register words and phrases that have been considered vulgar. And don't think that that won't happen. That is true. Uh, and that's what the minority, the three justices said, oh, God knows what will happen now. But, you know, you're free to not look at it. Uh, anyway, the guy who has the clothing brand called Fucked says the company's name stands for Friends You Can't Trust. <laughs> oh, God, people are bizarre. Anyway, the justices suggested that Congress should take up the issue and write a more narrowly tailored law. Well, that, that's, a, that, that's a correct um, judgment in my in my judgment. Jesus. I guess they're going to leave the question, the, the one everybody's waiting for is the uh, census question on citizenship. And I bet they'll let that one uh, out the day they all take off. Right? So, I don't know. And I leave you with the story of... Maurice, the rooster. Maurice is a rooster. He lives in a little town on a little island off the coast of France. And it's a little place in a little island that uh, its population like uh, quadruples or even more in the summer because people from the city come and they enjoy the bucolic area and so this one French couple from the uh, French city of Limoges uh, bought a little summer home and they are uh, complaining loudly and have asked for political intervention because they say they didn't know that this damn rooster, Maurice, greets the dawn every day with his, well, rooster greet. The dawn. That's what roosters do. Anyway, this has escalated to the point where Maurice the rooster has become a national cause in France. And it is... It is pitting, which is happening so much, again, um, in the political realm, in the social, cultural realm, it pits urban and rural. And in this case, I'm with the rural. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side on this one. Urbanites coming to a rural or small town venue and then demanding that the life there somehow change because they're annoyed. I guess somebody years ago tried to get them to stop ringing the church bells. It wakes me up. So, um, this is a great little story. Uh, a mediator was brought in and suggested that uh, whenever this couple from Limoges was in town, that Maurice should be sent away. And Maurice's owner said, I will not be separated from Maurice. And I don't blame her. So the mediation didn't work. The rooster now has a lawyer. And um, in official pleadings, the lawyer has said this. This is sad. Maurice himself has perceived the disquiet. And for the past several months... He has only rarely sung. So Maurice, getting all the tension coming, has like stopped his cockadoodle doodling anyway. Isn't that something? Picking up on the angst. Anyway, uh, if you ask anyone else around town, they're all on Maurice's side. And here's one good old French guy saying, I'm sure he said it in French, but it's been translated. I've never even heard him. This is Renaud Morando, fisherman. Oh, he lives next door. 
I've never even heard him. I don't even understand what the fuss is about. And even if I had heard him, what the heck? It's a rooster. Okay. So, and this is one little quickie and then we say goodbye because the time is out. Mark in Columbus has asked, Hi, Lynn, I just have to wonder what Mike Pompeo would think of a giant Iranian drone hovering off the coast of Virginia. A good little question we shall ponder as we say goodbye. And I remind myself, I did not drive downtown and I can get on the bus. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.